Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. I am Ron Crawford, the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and I would like to express a very heartfelt greeting to all of our congregation here at the Father's Church. I am so grateful for each of you and thankful that we have this means of communicating with each other on these Wednesdays. Uh, I wanted to uh, also say hi to all of our Saints Network family across the world. We really cherish the privilege of being able to partner with you, and I I say that without any... Uh, without any measure of, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is. I mean, there's no, I don't, there's no benefit for me just saying that politically. We, we really mean that. <laughs> God has linked us together, and um, I, know that, I know that so often um, in uh, ministerial training, you're taught, that you need to stay in contact with people so that you don't lose them or, you know, here's how you avoid problems and so you do these things and it's it's kind of like a religious, politically correct kind of a thing. But when I say we're really grateful for each of you, there's no motive other than to just say that. Uh, we, we are very grateful to the Lord for the way he has linked us together, allied us together with our brothers and sisters across this nation and around the world. And um, we, we pray for you because we want you to succeed where you are. We want the kingdom of God to be represented by you. And we want his presence to fill the place where you have been assigned by him. And so all of that being said, we're grateful to be in alignment and we welcome you to this uh, time of study in the Word. Before we approach what we're going to be speaking about, found in the book of Genesis, chapters 25 and 26, I did want to make you aware of something you're going to be hearing a lot about. Well, maybe not a lot about. You'll be hearing about in the next few days. This coming Sunday morning, things are going to be a bit different here. Um, because um, the Lord has put it on, upon our hearts to um, make a statement regarding his purpose, uh, especially on the last day of the 10th month, particularly what the world would call Halloween. And it is normally our communion Sunday, um, and it will be this week, but we'll be doing other things prophetically, and um, we would like to invite our congregation who will be here with us in Dallas in person to come expecting prayerfully to be used of the Lord that morning as uh, an intercessor, as a saint, as a, you know, a prophetic actions. And let's just expect God to do great things. Those of you who will be joining with us remotely, please plan to have some communion, uh, something from by which you can participate in communion as you're joining with us. If you have any kind of implement for uh, a banner, 
in your home or in your church have that ready and if you um, if you don't have that make sure you can lift your hands <laughs> not in surrender to anybody around you but in uh, submission to the Lord uh, we will not be beginning service this went this Sunday with uh, with our musical expressions uh, that will be interspersed throughout whatever it is that the Lord directs us to do on Sunday. So if you are in the, the practice of wanting to receive that first 30, 45 minutes of singing, uh, that won't be at the beginning of the service this week. Or if by some chance you're of the, the ancient Church of Christ mode and you don't like that prophetic worship, you just like the, uh, the vocal expressions, um, don't tune in at 11.15 and think you've, you'll be ready for the message. That ain't happening this week. So all that being said, there's a lot of information there. Uh, we'll be sending out some emails this week. and um, um, But just be prepared if you don't receive an email to um, know that things are going to be a bit different this Sunday. And we, we're expecting God to move mightily and... I believe this is a truly a prophetic act on behalf of what God is wanting from us. So that's this coming Sunday. Now, this past Sunday, the Lord directed me to speak pertaining uh, to the, con- uh, the, uh, the passage where Sarah, Abram's wife, passed away. And what all was transpiring there with his purchasing of a field and a cave for which Sarah would be uh, interred and where subsequently then he would be buried uh, when he passed away many years later by his sons Isaac and Ishmael. And um, we talked about a number of specific things there. Uh, if you've not heard that teaching, you probably want to hear it because it does indicate, I believe, where we are now as a people. It will also maybe explain some of the things we have faced and it also clarifies um, significant portions of the story of when the children of Israel were supposed to come into the land because that parcel that Abraham legally purchased was at Hebron and it was also officiated by individuals who represented the world, enemy armies, uh, those who would uh, be spiritual influences in the world that perhaps are not godly. And I would encourage you to revisit that. Uh, if you've not heard it, or even if you have, you may want to listen to it again. The be- One of the beauties of not only the Spotify podcast, but also on our newly uh, formed website, is that you can listen to it in double time. So you say, well, I just don't have time. Look, you can listen to that message double time, in 30 minutes or less. So I think that we need to 
we need to recognize that <laughs> not just because I'm saying them, but these are directives from the Lord, and this is a spiritual meat. This is a pneumaticos meat for us, and we need to make sure we're current with it. Um, so, uh, but I felt that the Lord wanted us to consider some things that happened at the end of Abraham's life and what then would represent the initial points of communication with uh, Isaac and God and Rebekah and God. Before we talk some more about that, let's look at a passage of Scripture in Genesis 25, or 26, verse 5. And this tells us something very important about Abraham and tells us something important about the same things that God has been requiring from us as saints. It says in chapter 26, verse 5, that... Um, you know, God had promised the blessing of the Lord to Abraham and his seed. And it says in verse 5, Because Abraham obeyed my voice, this is God speaking, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now, there are five things there. Of course, that always speaks about the fivefold. You can figure out what's most important. People get their brains in a knot over this. And I remind you that everybody thinks differently, but when God speaks, he speaks in a fivefold way. When he speaks about his ways, he speaks, he decrees it in a sevenfold way. That's throughout the scripture. And um, when God is just communing with us, well, he enunciates in the way of his choosing. But when there is a declaration made or when there is a decree proclaimed regarding his ways, it's, it's five and seven. It's just throughout the scripture. You can find that for yourself. But let's look what these five things are and you tell me if this is not what you and I as saints have been asked to do. Number one, obeyed my voice, Shema. Uh, this is to be in communication with God to listen to him and then to converse with him. That teaching on Shema is so important. Abram being a friend of God, someone who spent time on his face before God, participating in righteous vision. Abram was someone who was a friend of God. And that's what we're called to be. But we've got to listen and engage with him in what he is saying. Now, then there is a, a fourfold measure of keeping things. Um, this, is, um, this is a very important thing for us to, um, to understand because um, the, the keeping is to Make sure all things are secure. They're, they're, they're really hedged about. So these are things that you are, that you are 
in your standing in the gap, you're making sure that these things are being afforded and done. So the first is he keeps the charge. Charge! Uh, this, this is important because that is a word that really speaks about your placement, like an outpost. Um, you, you are making sure in the things that you are fulfilling in your gap of responsibility that you're faithful to the place God has called you to and to what that entails for your life. Secondly, commands. These are the ongoing directives that God gives to us. Thirdly, statutes. These are things that, as we're listening to God, being faithful in service and hearing what he's saying and obeying them, that we learn. These are, these are points of understanding that the Spirit guides us into along the way. And then, in that place of hedging, the laws. These are the compilations of the things that we have learned from him, and it's kind of like line upon line, precept upon precept. So Abraham was blessed as a covenant partner and friend of God because he was in communication with God. He, he was in that Shema relationship where he could speak with God about what God was wanting to do, what God was saying. He embraced that calling as his identity. Uh, he, he recognized that he was a friend, but yet this was God, and he was God's servant. And that is, it sounds right for Christians, but it's somewhat of a stark revelation to many. Because we in most of the church think God is here to serve us. That he just wants our will to be done. And that if we go, we can convince God to do anything because we've deduced this is what is right. But when we go before the Lord sincerely, and we're just there as a friend and as a son wanting to serve, wanting to fulfill the Abba of his purpose, God will open the heavens and speak to us. And we listen. And our conversation is in regard and on behalf of that. And then we understand that we have a responsibility to stand in the gap, to be a Paga individual, and to fulfill what God wants in the place that he has called us to stand. He will make our location known. And he will speak to us regularly, giving us prophetic directives, guiding us through an experience with him as we walk with him. We will learn his principles, and then we will compile them into a, not a legalism, but a doctrinal understanding, remembering what God has said. Some of the most painful passages of Scripture in the Old Testament is when the people stray away from God and they just go haywire doing whatever's right in their own eyes 
and they subsequently fall into not only disrepair but in often often places they they fall into into bondage and then they pull out the scrolls and they read them and everybody stands there and listens and they weep and they repent it's our responsibility to listen to god to recognize that we have a role standing in the gap here i sought for one to stand in the gap and make up the hedge this is a word that is used and then we are faithful where god has asked us with what responsibility he's asked us to fulfill and we walk with him we learn we prophetically obey we deduce his principles and we compile them together so that we're a mature one who has understanding, a pneumatikos understanding. This is why Abraham was the friend of God. This is why he was blessed. And here it is. It's summed up at the end of his life in Genesis 26. You're going to be one of... uh, the, the children of Abraham walking in faith well you better start doing these five things you better start doing them and recognize that they are important oh I don't have time for it yeah right uh, yeah, I, I've got to be careful here because this really isn't the message for the day but you know from a mnemonica standpoint from a teacher's perspective from a perspective of someone, and there are many of us, who have the charge to understand the things God is showing from his word for the kingdom, to go into all the world and preach that, to, to welcome disciples to be trained and for them to be established. I don't have any patience at all for those who say, I don't have time to know this stuff. Because this is God's stuff. This is his word. If I was talking out of some Hebrew, some uh, Hebrew Kabbalah thing, or some goofball teacher that you hear on the internet, or some uh, stone that's scribbled under a tree, or some other truth from some Hindu tantra, then I wouldn't expect you to learn that. I wouldn't expect me to learn that. <laughs> when, when we're learning things from the Word of God, defined by the Word of God, woo. We have, a, we have a privilege and a responsibility. And I'm sorry. I, I have very little patience for not being able to move with pneumatikos people in pneumatikos ways. This is why Abraham was blessed. You look at that and you tell me that this is not what it says. Uh, look at it. Verse chapter 26. He, uh, he followed what God wanted. Because uh, and the blessing of the Lord was upon him, and this is what Isaac accepted because of these five things. It doesn't say because God loved him, and God just wanted to make life easy for him, and God showed him how to get his way when he decided he wanted something, showed him a few spiritual tricks as to how to get it. I don't see any of that here. Abram was blessed. Because, that's a, that's a key word in that verse, because he did these five things. 
And guess what, saints? These five things are essentially what we the saints are. Do you recognize, Do any of these five things seem foreign to any of you? This is exactly what God has required of us as saints. And, and I am so thankful for this. I am so glad we didn't uh, foolishly follow some other pathway and then we come upon this verse and we say, hey, wait a second. We're not doing any of that. I'm thankful that God has led us to these things. So, Abraham dies. And, um, you know, I, I also looked at Luke and I were talking the other day about the discussion regarding how Abram took another wife, Keturah, and then had those those many sons. Uh, the jury's out on whether he should have done that or not. Because if you look at who those sons were, and we talk about Ishmael being something that came back to bite them. You know, for instance, one of the guys who was born to Abraham and Keturah was Midian of Midianite fame. You want to tell me that Israel didn't have problems with the the Midianites? So Gideon had to go and fight. It's who uh, you know the Midianites went through and ravaged the people and the Midianite band was coming. So a Midianite group of uh, warriors was coming, ravagers. And those guys threw that dead body in the tomb of Elisha. <laughs> the Midianites were not really good people, but they were children of Abraham. There are other names in that group. One of them was somebody that just was blessed, but he broke everything he touched. Another one was somebody that wasn't faithful to anything. I mean, those names, somebody that was wealthy, another one. But because of the wealth, he just kind of lived a lascivious lifestyle. I, I can't explain what was really happening there. Um, I wasn't there, and it's really not germane to what we are. But we've just got to be careful. Abram married this woman. Maybe he was lonely. Maybe he... Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I can't explain it. But... None of those boys that he had with her amounted to anything but trouble. And so I'm not sure how much Abram was, <laughs> was listening then. Isaac was already uh, moving, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I'm, that's a topic of discussion. But what we've been experiencing from the Lord recently as saints is uh, his spirit guiding us into some deeper dimensions of types of prayer and commune that were kind of off the beaten path, but yet they're in the Bible and they speak to ways that the patriarchs commune with God and ways that the people of God were known as vibrant entities in this world. For instance, in the past few months, we've talked about Nacham in a deeper way. And we've talked about Halah, not Halal, Halah. 
in a deeper way. And we recognized in those teachings that understanding how to pray in the midst of a tumultuous moment and how to overcome, which is what halal represents, or how to how to survive in the spirit realm when vision and understanding are being given, which is what Daniel did in this way, is something that is going to bring great breakthroughs, but it's also going to take the capture the notice of people who are hungry, and they will say, let us come, let us embrace the hem of your garment. We will go with you. We, we want to go up and pray in this way with you. So we're learning that, but we've already been doing it. But it's one of those to do and to teach kind of principles. Uh, but we, we looked at that. Now today, I felt the Lord direct us to Genesis 26, or, or Genesis 25, and, and beginning at verse 21. We're going to look at Isaac praying in a first issuance, and Rebecca seeking God for an answer, and what those terms mean, and how they might be applied and should be applied for us as saints. So, uh, Genesis 25, verse 21. Uh, you know, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to his wife. Um, he was 60 years old when they finally had a child. Uh, because it seemed that, again, Rebekah was barren and... Uh, you know, not only did Abraham have to break through on behalf of the promise, but now here is Isaac having to break through on behalf of the promise. And what this says to me is that uh, they, both of those men, were focused on that directive from God that their seed would be as the stars of the heavens and would fill the earth, and we're part of that seed. But both of these men had to overcome initial points of resistance, and they were needing a breakthrough. Sometimes Christians are perplexed by that, because... When God gives a promise, you just automatically think that all you have to do is bind and loose and do other types of things, toot the shofar a couple of times, and voila, there it is. Uh, remember the, the thing that I've quoted that I heard Rick Joyner say many years ago. He probably heard somebody else say it. The greater the vision, the greater the challenge. And you, you're going to have to walk, when you get a promise from God, through a sila before you get to the promise, the fulfillment of that promise. This is not of works. It's just walking with God. And I am not inviting 
sickness or ill will or undue challenges. I am not. But you know that anything in this life is that's worthwhile, you've got to invest yourself and you've got to work at it. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. But you're going you're gonna to have to find a way to combine faith and works. It's the work of the ministry. It's the work of the evangelist. It's, it's work to study, to show yourself approved. Workmen, workmen that need not to be ashamed. So it's not just, oh, yeah, God said it, I believe it, that settles it, give it to me. Yes, we believe in that promise, but we know that there are enemies to fight. We've got to stand when we've done all to stand, and we will break through. And the thing that we, that we rely upon is that God has promised that God is with us. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. These are God's promises. And you've got to, you've got to hold on to that promise. You know, one of the things that the valley will test is how much you really believe in the promise. How much you really believe in God's timing. And I think there's more to our devotion to God in what we do in the valley than than there is to learning some tricks and cursing the devil. Um we we rely on him that's the essence of faith what has god said and we hold on that's what did eve in hath god said the serpent proclaimed eve obviously had some some iniquitous challenges there and she uh, she added to in her words what god had said and um Either she didn't know it, or she didn't want to know it. And those challenges that we face will test what we really believe. Jesus, the Son of God, our elder brother, our triumphant Savior, was driven into the wilderness by the Spirit of God, and there. For 40 days and 40 nights fasted and was tested of the enemy. And all three of those scriptures that the enemy used, I don't know why Satan didn't whip out one of those Hindu tantras or one of those other truths if they're all so hot. No, he he used a scripture and tried to twist it. And it was testing how much Jesus was willing to believe and fulfill what the Father had sent him to do. And so, we have, to, we have to understand that the promise of God and our identity in him, his word to us, is the most important thing. And so, Abram had to break through on behalf of the promise, which would be Isaac. Isaac had to break through 
on behalf of the promise which would be his two sons. Then Jacob, who always seemed to be challenged with this, had to break through on behalf of the promise with Rachel. Leah seemed to have no problem with it, (laughs) which is another story in itself. But the promise of God had to go forward, and that's what we hold on to. For us as saints, we've been given a monumental privilege for the world. I say this so often because I'm thankful for it, but I want to always remind the saints of this. We have been given the greatest mission. We, we have. We have. We have been given his privilege of going into the world. And we're going into the world every day of the week. But we've been able to walk and establish through God's directive outposts of the saints and making disciples on behalf of the word. This is what God is setting up during these times of the end to fulfill biblical prophecy. We've been given that mission, and to me, it's the best. When I spend time with the Lord, that mission that he's given, which is his heart, is at the forefront every time. If I face any need, and we do at times, we all do, I don't go trying to argue my case with God or convince him with my own legal devices. You know, I, I learned how to debate in uh, debate classes and in different uh, aspects of that in high school on a, on a chart toward becoming a lawyer. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm, I learned at Harvard or anything like that, but I learned how to, to argue your case. That doesn't cut it with the Lord. You know, when you go before the Lord, you go before him on behalf of sonship and on behalf of that point of identity and mission that he's given you. That's the strong point. And you find that involved throughout Jesus' ministry. You find that involved throughout Paul's ministry. They had a sense of identity to do the will of the Father, and everything revolved around that. It's not the Father doing our will. It's his will be done. And so, that's the foundation. That's the promise of God. And here's Isaac. Now, here he is, and he's wondering, why am I not able to have a child? Why is this not occurring? And again, in verse 21, Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. You know, Notice, and again, this is maybe this is chauvinistic. Uh, it always seems to be the woman's fault. You know, it always seems to be the woman was barren. And we know good and well that 
modern science tells us that many times if there is a problem with fertility, it's an issue from the male perspective. And um, But I have to believe that the scripture here is anointed and it's saying what really happened. So Isaac is praying on behalf of the purpose of God, but on behalf of somebody else. Do you see that? We, I'm comfortable here. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed. We enjoy a, a, a wonderful life in the Lord here in Dallas. I have, there's, there's nothing more that I want. But yet, the mission of God says, reach out from this place to the nations. Now, am I reaching out to the nations so we can uh, add to our numbers so that we can be influences on the network and get advertising? No, it doesn't work that way. We don't have that as a desire. Do we receive huge offerings from these other places that we go? No. Most of the places, we don't receive any offering. In fact, we give. So there's there's really no earthly motive that we have here in Dallas. And I would dare, dare say that you have in France or you have in Brazil or you have in Switzerland or in Belgium or wherever you may be situated in Mexico or wherever you may be situated in the other many nations. Our benefit is serving the Father and fulfilling the purpose He's given us. It's like the Old Testament, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And, and, and the reason I'm saying that is this term, this is a first inch issuance that Isaac uses to entreat the Lord and God being entreated by him is a word, atar, which means incense. But it also means, comes from a base of plenty and being prospered. Now, what does that mean? First of all, we know that incense is in um, passages in Scripture, the incense of are the prayers of the saints. And our prayers follow the ingredients of incense, where we embrace what God has asked. We allow ourselves to be broken. We accept the burden. We do what is necessary so that God's ways can be fulfilled. And we've studied that. That teaching is available. But the incense, there, there's, no, there's no benefit to you ordering from Elijah List a, a batch of holy incense. God's going to hear you just as well whether you have a, a foggy room that's fragrant with the delightful aromas of that kind of incense or, or if you're just praying in the room uh, with uh, regular oxygen. So, Isaac 
was praying from a point of blessing. He was praying from a point of plenty. But he was praying on behalf of the promise of God. He was praying on behalf of what God had said. And that is very important because when you go before the Lord on behalf of his promise, you're in a point of blessing. You're not there, oh God, please help me, I'm in trouble, oh yes. And I recognize being in pain. I recognize being in need. I recognize being in seemingly impossible situations. But somehow we've got to be able to in the midst of that, come to the Lord as as sons, as blessed from the perspective of his calling that we've accepted. I've had this happen many times. I've testified about it, seen God come through in mighty ways. I just give one example, which is prolific in my memory. You know, when we were transitioning in 2003 um, into what would really then become this hub of the Saints Network, and, and, and I, I say independent, but we have inc- accountability across the world. But we, we were being separated from the denomination that we were in. And it was... It wasn't because of something that we determined to do. It was thrust upon us. And there were some really trying times. I won't go into all the details, but it wasn't pretty. And um, there were lots of ways that the enemy was pulling out all the cards from um, just wicked, wicked intents. And I remember at a crucial moment, we had people here praying in the sanctuary one evening and I was in the balcony praying and my life was threatened my family was threatened this church was threatened it was not a good thing and you can blame it on the devil but a lot of times people can be be worse than the enemy and we were encountering all of that and I remember going before the Lord I remember it just like it happened this morning And I said, Father, you have given us this calling. We have tried to follow you. We have honored your word and we have honored you. And now here we are and we're threatened on every side. We really were. Please, Father, on behalf of the mission you've given us, let this mountain be removed and let us be free. To follow you. And I remember the peace that came over me. And I remember that God, in the subsequent weeks that followed, then there were still some challenges, more from fear coming against us and threats and uh, unfathomable, indescribable points of emotional challenge from people who we had loved in the past who rose up against us and uh, lies and different deceptive things being said. 
we had to face those, but there was a confidence that God was going to deliver. And you know what? He did. He delivered because of. We were in that situation because of the mission, because of his purpose. That's just the truth. I could have gone on playing the game, and everybody would have thought we were so spiritual, everything was well, and, you know, such a good trooper. But we were there because of the mission. That valley was because we were walking with God. And from that perspective, God provided. We need to find that place, and we need to rest in that place, because God is with us. And we saw God deliver us miraculously, just miraculously. And then immediately, immediately, we saw doors open to other countries that were miraculous provisions. We saw um, we saw incredible uh, influx of those that uh, would would become uh, lifelong allies in the walk. But it was because from that point of blessing, and from that incense point of of um, of commune with God we saw his miracle power. So when Isaac is offering this first issuance regarding the promise of God, regarding that promise of the seed of Abraham, that was how Isaac came. And God answered. God answered that. This word was used not a lot of times in the scripture, but in prolific points. Many times in the discussions between Moses and Pharaoh, Moses was asked to entreat the Lord. Pharaoh would say, Moses, this plague of insects, go and entreat the Lord that it be gone. Moses, this plague of thunderings and hail, Entreat the Lord that it be gone. This plague of frogs that is terrible. We recognize that you have a promise from God, even though we're not willing yet to obey and yield to it. Entreat the Lord from that perspective that it be gone. That's then this type of trust and prayer was something that the leader of the of the natural world at that point recognized and asked for. Manoah, the father of Samson, when he was uh, when his wife came back and said an angel appeared to me, Manoah entreated God and uh, asked for a uh, a repeat visit. David after he numbered the people and that destruction came from God. And then uh, Gad came and said, you need to go buy the field of Aruna, the threshing floor. You need to buy that to to house the the place of, of God's dwelling in the tabernacle. And David entreated on behalf of that. It's very interesting. When Ezra was about to lead that group of people back to Jerusalem and they were there at the river and they were fasting and offering supplication. And at that point, Ezra 
entreated, and God answered. We've got to understand that point of confidence as saints and power as saints that is found in our relationship with God but in the mission God has given, the promise that was given to us. And God provides. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Whatever God's saying, a righteous vision. And all these other things are going to be added to you. This is basically this Hebrew term, Atar. And the first issuance of it was in regard to the promise given to Abraham that was then the promise for Isaac for Isaac's wife, Rebekah. Now look then at verse 22. So his wife conceives, and the children struggled together within her. And she said, It If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. Inquire of Yahweh. Now this was about a needing, a a desiring to know pertaining to what was actually happening within the promise. And this word Darash is really a perplexing word to all of the etymological scholars. You can read it. They they offer up all kinds of suggestions as to what this means, but not a one of them approach it from the point of promise that Rebecca was offering it from. And that's the key to all of it. Now, this word derosh means, you, you can look it up, you'll see it's just as confusing in black and white as what I've indicated. It can mean to seek, to ask, to tread, walk, to, um, to explore. It's also used to say to be careful about something or to take care of something to be meticulous but oddly you'll also notice when you trace this word through the Old Testament that it is used to describe what a necromancer does or attempts to do in talking with the dead or the demons that would represent those deceased individuals So what does this mean? Well, let's put it all together. Let's put all this definition, with the exception of the necromancer, together. Rebecca was asking God about the promise, his promise that was already in her. She wanted to understand the things about what was going on as that promise was being fulfilled. She was caring for it. 
She was devoted to it. She was meticulous with it. She didn't want anything to be uh, overlooked. She, she wanted a point of understanding. The babies were already in there. And boy, were they in there. Um, but she, she wanted to know why there was such an unusual disturbance within her. And this really speaks to me about what we as saints in our walk with God, how we learn from God. You know, I've said from the very beginning that a lot of the things that God has revealed from his word has been because we've been experiencing them to do and to teach. Uh, you know, why is it that everybody that gets touched in and, and they receive this gift of diversities of tongues, most of them end up on their face in prayer? Why is that? And you, you inquire of the Lord. You, you darash, as it were. We're walking this. We're treading it. We're, we're seeking for an understanding. And subsequently, then, we want to do what's right. We want to, we want to honor what we should be honoring. And this measure of entreaty uh, in God asking this darash is what we do. It's what you do as a saint. So, but it's but it's in regard to the purpose. It, it's in regard to the purpose. I I used to say, and this is really true, that so many people in ministry have anointings in a particular area, and you can usually trust what they say in regard to the anointing. But when they get in trouble is when they start pontificating about things that they were not called to do. It's kind of a intellectual form of judgment. Or they make statements about things that they don't really understand. And then you, then you think, well, it's best to let your yea be yay and your nay be nay and to be quiet when you don't, when you don't really have the anointing on a thing. You start talking about things that you've not been entrusted to, to share. You're just going to go into opinion or some nonsense that you heard from somebody else that was speaking nonsense. And, um, you know, but when it comes to something that God has given you and what you have been empowered to do from him, and the thing is happening within you and you sincerely want to understand, you can... Ask of the Lord. Now, this is not... I looked all over the place in several different um, writings, and I never found belly aching in any of this. I never, never found that anywhere. Griping is right out. It's not there either. And this isn't a backseat driver. Didn't find... Back chariot driver. I didn't find that either. God, I just don't understand why you're doing this. No, 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 no. It doesn't give you the right to ask of God regarding your anger, regarding your frustration, regarding your fears, regarding... I mean, you, sh you should be dying to those things. You should be casting them out by the agape. As hard as it is 
You, you just need to get control over them. But if you sincerely want to learn from God about, about what he's actually doing, I'm sure this wasn't very comfortable for her. If you've got two twin boys in you and there's an unusual ruckus going on all the time, she wants to know, and God is more than happy to immediately talk to her about it. Verse 23, Yahweh says to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two manners of people will be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. Boy, that's a prescription for a tussle. And there it is. So God was very quick to answer her. These Now, why a necromancer? Some of you are wondering about that. Because, you know, people go and they seek psychics and they seek people that will communicate in a seance with old Uncle Bob because you want to find out where that secret treasure is that he buried under a tree somewhere. So, immature people go and there's a demon there ready to answer them. And they'll tell things about the walk and they'll act concerned and they'll say things that, um, that really are meticulous. How did they know that? And, and, you know, it really speaks about the enemy trying to talk about a pathway, tossing a few observances from what they knew in the dossier of that person's that dead person's life and it really is a a narrow dark um, false depiction of this holy thing because when you walk with the lord he he's going to he's going to speak now you got to be willing to listen You've got to be like Abram. You've got a Shema. But these two types of prayer are things that we as saints can expect in these days. As we come to certain nations and that God opens the door and we wonder, Lord, why is there a barrenness here? You led us here. Your promise is here. From our point of blessing, from our point of, of uh, covenant provision, we can offer our incense to God. And God, from that point of plenty, based upon his mission and our partnership with him, obedient partnership with him, God will speak and God will provide. If we have scenarios as that mission is playing out, we wonder, what's going on here, Father? Can you give us some insight, prophetic insight, so that we'll know how to pray? so that we'll know what to do to answer this thing that you know all about. God will do it. Um, I'm sure that after God spoke, those boys kept right on rumbling. And I'm sure that after God spoke, she still had sleepless nights, and probably Isaac did too. So God didn't give an immediate ex post facto Let's bring those boys out. 
I bound and I rebuked this thing and they just laid quiet in there. Well, guess what? There's no indication that that happened. So don't get your hopes up. Those boys are in there. and um, But you have understanding about what's going on and hopefully you can be in prayer about it. Yeah, hopefully you can prof- prophetically glean what's going on. And um, that's really an interesting word from Yahweh about what what was going to come. I don't know how much good it did for her to know this because the Bible clearly says that Isaac liked Esau because he was a good hunter and brought in good food and Rebekah loved Jacob. <laughs> why it would surprise them that they would be two nations. Why didn't they prepare those boys? I don't know. Sometimes God tells us things and we have the insight. We don't do a very good job of applying it. God help us with that too. But these two words of prayer and inquiry are things that we as saints have been living and we need to tuck them away in our spirit so that we can apply them in the days ahead as we're seeing the promise of God fulfilled to a greater degree and we're encountering scenarios that might be a little bit difficult to discern, but the Lord will tell us because we are carefully watching over this thing. We are meticulously wanting to do the right thing. We are walking with God. We are wanting to, to care for what he is doing. And God always honors that. There wasn't a thing that, that this woman was asking that was outside of the promise of God. Let me tell you this. God is with those who are holding on to his promise. And that promise is a wonderful privilege that we have. Well, that's about it for today. Um, God bless you all. Thank you so much. These, uh, the rest of this 10th month is going to be blessed. I proclaim God watching over you, giving you favor, protecting you, and causing you to have breakthrough on every side. May the Spirit of the Lord rest mightily upon you. May His light shine upon you. May His face be with you. And as we come into this weekend where um, we're going to be praying here on Saturday and we're going to come for a prophetic communion time and uh, on Sunday, it's going to be a great summation. May you be blessed wherever it is that you are planted. We're praying for you. God bless you. Thanks for joining with us today from the Father's Church. Until next time, be blessed and goodbye.